Joining me now from somewhere near Heartland in his house is Mr. Al Beck. Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning, Karen. Yeah, I'm hidden away in the deep, dark <laughs> recesses of the Bat Cave here. And it's it's another beautiful day. How many nice days is this in a row now? 500, I think we've had. Oh. We have become the San Diego of Minnesota. We just get one nice day after another, so... I'm hoping that works. I hope Mother Nature's listening and says, yeah, we better give them a really nice day today. I uh, It is a nice day. It just, uh, it's the day we get. And I was out and I listened to a rose-breasted grosbeak, a brown thrasher, and a Baltimore Oriole all sing pretty much at the same time because they're, they're not paying a whole lot of attention more than likely, who knows, but I don't think they're paying a whole lot of attention to the other's song. If a Brown Thrasher heard another Brown Thrasher singing, then he would get all worked up. He'd listen to that. But so they're all singing kind of at the same time, and their blissful voices blended pleasantly. And the first thought that found my brain was the Chad Mitchell Trio. Uh -huh. I'm not sure why. I don't remember a lot about the Chad Mitchell trio. I'd have trouble. I know they sang some John Denver songs, but I'd have well, trouble coming up with one of their index. songs. But, you know, something else. I don't remember a year. I know you saw an indigo bunting. I don't remember a year of so many indigo buntings and gray catbirds. And a friend excited with what she'd seen outside phoned and exclaimed, I have an indigo catbird. <laughs> I liked that image that pushed aside the Chad Mitchell trio in my mind. Uh, my spirits were high before that, but the birds managed to raise them. So I thank her for her call. And uh, boy, who hasn't? Uh, I misspeak a, a thousand times a day. But I, 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 I tried not to laugh, but I had to laugh when she said that. And of course, she knew instantly that she'd said the wrong thing. But I will think of an indigo catbird for a long time. Uh, Ray Faber saw a, his first of the year indigo bunting, he said, on Saturday, May 15th. Now he's hearing calling, so he's really happy to hear that. said yesterday he saw a white-tailed doe that's been visiting all winter with a coat appeared with with a beat-up coat, appeared with a day-old fawn after he, he hadn't seen this doe for a couple of weeks he thought and now she showed up with a doe and he said he thought this is the earliest he'd ever observed one in his area there his yard his lawn and she's now molting into the beautiful tawny summer coat he said nature keeps serving up surprises a, a long missive from Jason Caddy, but he asks a, a question that I, I think really is interesting. Jason was down in Mauer County, that's Austin in that area, and he said the county does not get a lot of fanfare, but I found it to be crawling with migrants. I basically birded the east edge of the Cedar River Golf Course, Lake Louise, which is a state park there, and the Grand Meadow Sewage Treatment Ponds. I birded from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. and saw 102 species. Uh, he birded for five hours and saw 102 species of birds. He said, which isn't bad considering there were nearly no shorebirds and I only saw three species of ducks and geese. 
I had 23 species of warbler and big numbers of some of them. I also did well with the thrushes and flycatchers. Found a Swainson's hawk just east of Teope, the first one I'd seen in Minnesota, and it had been a nemesis Minnesota bird for me. The craziest thing I saw was not the hawk or the awesome warblers, but it was actually an unusual and amazing event at the Grand Meadow Treatment Ponds. There was some sort of large midge hatch going on and the birds were going bonkers. I found 19 species of warblers in the small area around the sewage treatment pools. It reminded me of an ant swarm in Central or South America or maybe I'm just pining for my canceled Central and South America birding trips that I was supposed to go on this spring. Anyways, the fence at these ponds was loaded with birds, and I mean loaded. There were great crested flycatchers, eastern wood peewees, eastern kingbirds, an olive-sided flycatcher, scarlet tanager, Cape May warbler, chestnut-sided warbler, and multiple palm and yellow rump warblers all sallying from the fence. The edge of the woods was also dripping with birds. The most remarkable, I always love that when somebody writes dripping with birds. It just gives a, a wonderful image for me. Uh, the most remarkable thing of all, Jason said, were least flycatchers. At one point I was staring at 23 least flycatchers all sallying out from one small section of the fence and I counted a total of 54 of them at this location. Now comes a philosophical question. What is more exciting and rare, big numbers of birds or stray birds? Yeah, that's a great question. He said he looked on eBird and 54 least flycatchers is incredibly high. It's the highest count of the species in Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri, or Texas. But why is this, Jason asks, is this because the event is so incredibly rare? Is it because people don't take the time to count common bird species? Or is it because high counts like these are excluded from the database by regional reviewers on eBird? I have no earthly clue which of those are the right answers. I know it is by far the most least oh the most least the most least flycatchers i have ever seen and i know my count is accurate but i know that not many people will be packing up their belongings to go and see the epic gathering of birds in mauer county i do guarantee if someone spotted a tricolored heron down there half the state's birding community would get a move on but what is actually more rare, 54 least flycatchers in one location or the tricolored heron in Minnesota? Any thoughts on the topic would be greatly appreciated. It, well, thanks. This is, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I've, I've seen some remarkable midge hatches, and birds come out like sharks in a feeding frenzy when these midges all come out. It's pretty easy picking. They don't have to work too hard to get a lot to eat so it's a great thing for them. I have never seen 54 leaf flycatchers. I saw a great number of eastern Phoebes one year at Myrie Big Island State Park. They were by the now closed interpretive center and they, they were just feeding on the ground. A day later I found a great number of them dead. There were just no insects. So the insects have certainly been lacking some of these days this spring so that'd be part of the reason they probably don't have a whole lot of restaurants open for them either so the uh, the least flycatchers were at the and all the other birds were at this treatment 
facility or pools because they wanted to get something to eat and that was a place to go to get something to eat. Uh, Neil Lang of Albert Lee said, I saw 15 Baltimore Orioles, Scarlet Tanger, and Nashville Warblers in the yard. Marianne McDougall said, the last three, four days, we've had rose-breasted grosbeaks, two males and eight females. They loaded up on safflower and peanuts. Today, there were none. I, yeah, they moved on, I guess. I hope a couple of them stay for you. Erica Foreman said, I was at Myrie Big Island State Park on Saturday. That's the one by Albert Lee. Saw a hummingbird eating at the Creeping Charlie. Can't say I've ever seen that before. Makes sense, but has anyone else seen that happen? Is this another reason to leave it growing in my yard? Oh, I know you are a, an avid gardener and hang out with those kind of folks and probably think evil thoughts about Creeping Charlie a lot, Karen, and, and that's fine. Well, do you I know have that, Al, Creeping Charlie is, is not the most nutritious um, for pollen, for, for pollinators. I just did a, a class with the lawn to legumes program and they said, yes, creeping Charlie does provide some nectar, but it is not among the most nutritious. So therefore it's okay to, to get rid of it because it's not doing a whole lot of good. So just saying, you know, <laughs> just it's, saying. Uh, it is, it is nectar though. And uh, it is it some, is but it's not the best. Yeah. I agreed there. Yeah. And you know me, I, boy, lawn is the last thing I ever think of. So Creeping Charlie, right. a lawn of Creeping Charlie and Dutch Clover and Dandelions is right up my alley. So uh, yeah, it is, it gives them something and I have seen it before, Erica. So it, it does happen. Uh, Jim Knudsen of Heartlands had two Orioles fighting in his yard and he said they took off in a chase and one of them banged on the window of his house and it went down the ground, and he said the other one went down and started to pound on him. You know, as we've all seen that happen in movies, two guys fighting, one gets down the ground, he just gets pounded. So Jim and his wife Julie saved the Oriole and uh, got it kind of, so its wits were back with it, I guess. Cleared its head and let it go, and, and they hoped it stayed out of fights, because apparently it wasn't very good at it. Audrey Elke sent me a photo of Scarlet Tanager. Oh, they are just such beautiful birds. Rick Mammel of Albert Lee said, Al, I must share a bird story with you directly related to my gardening activities. And Karen, you would like Rick. He is a gardening, uh, oh, uh, uh, nut. That isn't the right word, but he loves, he's an avid gardener. And he said, a couple days ago, after a few hours of being a digging fool, or a fool digging, <laughs> exhausted, I collapsed in one of my rustic wooden yard chairs directly beneath a beautiful, huge baroque tree. As I was regaining some energy, my attention was drawn to a little warm splat I felt on my left forearm. Lo and behold, as you doubtlessly have surmised, a little feathered friend perched Oops. overhead managed to defecate on me. Like <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield, I get no respect. I ambled into our home and dutifully washed my forearm off with soap and hot water for 20 seconds. I at least had the good sense to not look up to try to identify the bird, despite my curiosity. My curiosity had gotten me into some hot water in times over the many years, but only a very few times over bird poop. Having to wash my face because of my curiosity <laughs> and that disrespectful bird was not an option. The consequence of this is that I will need to move my chairs 
a ways in our yard and hope no more birds need to relieve themselves, at least on me. Uh, Paul Gotlin of Rochester, he said, Indigo buntings are one of my favorite birds, although I rarely see them. The most interesting encounter I've had with an indigo bunting was watching one in our dandelion-filled yard a couple of houses and 30-plus years ago. It would jump up on a dandelion stalk, shuffle its way out to the end, and the seeds as the dandelion bent over from its weight, feast, and repeat. A treat for his digestive system and for my eyes. I have seen um, a number of birds, but I have seen indigo buntings do that, Paul. They just ride the seed head down to the ground where they feast upon it. Uh, Cindy Drill. Cindy is from North Mankato. She said, I don't know if I have simply missed the warbler activity during past springs because I was always working or if the pattern has changed here, but I have been enjoying a rather frequent visit of small birds this past weekend. We had a particularly busy day on Friday with small groups of six or so birds popping in and out. I identified common yellowthroat easily, but some of the others were a little more difficult due to their acrobatic flitting about the garden. The water features were a draw, and I believe some photos I got at my bird bath may be of orange crown warblers. They're pretty plain birds, Cindy, the orange crown. I mean, they're beautiful, but compared to a lot of the other warblers, uh, we, folks would look at them and say, well, that's kind of a, a little, kind of a plain little guy there, a little drab bird. But uh, Cindy goes on and said, I purchased at a deep bargain price an older model trail camera and have it set up to take pictures at my bird bath. Last year I focused it on the pond, but when I saw increased activity at the birdbath, I moved it. The photos are not always crisp due to the low resolution allowed by this camera, but it has been fun all the same. I even captured a female scarlet tanager dropping in last Thursday, which I would not have known about if it had not been for the camera. We have a male ruby-throated hummingbird coming several times a day, very brief visits each time. And on Saturday, we had a short stump inspection by a pileated woodpecker. We had not seen them as often this past winter, so it was fun to have a visit again. Lastly, my daughter believes she saw a red-headed woodpecker in her neighborhood. This would be in the Calvary Cemetery area of Mankato. Uh, Tom Jessen of uh, Medelia, TJ, uh, sent some photos of a toad and said last week after the first torrential rain bomb of 2020, six to eight inches in some places, Great Plains toads are once again calling from the flooded fields of Blue Earth and Watanwan counties. In Saturday night, common nighthawks and chimney swifts that will once again return to Medelia, and TJ says now it's summertime. So yeah, they are certainly the sounds of summer, those two. I love hearing them, and it's good to have them back. They're, they are a couple birds that are having a tough time. One likes to roost on flat roofs, and another one likes to roost in chimneys, and uh, sometimes they can be hard to find. Uh, my wife and I were walking on a trail, and we came upon a uh, mating frenzy of American toads. And we stopped and watched them for a while as they would sing and chase and swim. And they're beautiful singers, American toads. They do sort of a, 
Oh, I would call it a bird-like trill. If somebody was not aware what they are and heard it, they would not probably think that was a toad. They would think it was either a bird or perhaps an insect. A Ruth Earl of Woodbury asked if mallards will nest again if a nest was lost. Uh, Ruth, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. <laughs> Many mallard hens will re-nest, building another nest, laying another clutch of eggs after nest predation. The new nest might be really close to the previous nest, or it might be far away in a completely different habitat. Uh, ducks are indeterminate layers, so they lay eggs just until their clutch is complete. So whatever tells them, they say, well, nine eggs is enough, then they stop. If a nest is lost during the laying phase, say it only laid three eggs, the hen can quickly re-nest because she's capable of producing additional eggs without much problem. If a hen is in the incubation stage, say she's got all nine eggs and she's setting on them and her nest is lost, she'll need time to restart the egg production. She just- uh, Hey Al. Yeah. I wanted to talk about a nest with you. You know, my little cardinals I've been telling you about, they've been out there about two weeks and they hatch. Well, two of the three eggs hatch and I noticed that the one egg never did hatch. And so it was kind of pushed to the edge of the nest. And I looked in the nest yesterday and there was only one baby. So I don't know where the other baby went. Could it have flown the nest already? Hello? How old would it have been, Karen? About 10 days old. Yeah, it, it sure could have then. Because so they seemed so uh, small when I saw them. The other one's still in there, but one definitely looked bigger than the other, so I don't know if it hatched sooner. But then the one the one egg, they, you could tell they tried to push out, it was still hanging on the edge of the nest. And then yesterday there was two in the morning, and then I looked yesterday, and the one there was just the one baby left, and then that egg hanging on the edge. Oh, and I, I'm sure the parents are still taking care of it. Oh, yeah, they're there. Every time I go near there, they go, chee, 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 and they're yelling at me. But I wonder, do you think that little baby was okay? Because I couldn't see it anywhere. Yeah, who knows what happened there. There's always, there's always something that loves to get baby birds, and it can be everything from a, oh, a, a squirrel, a chipmunk, a, a cat, a, a grackle, all these different things that are out there that would love to feed them. Of course, a crow if they can find it. And there's just so many things that love to eat a baby bird. And sometimes they fall out of the nest. They get a little too oh, brave and think they're oh. a little too old and they will fall out of the nest. Sometimes they will jump out of the nest. There's just all kinds of things going on with them. And, uh, you know... All you can do is wish and hope that they've done well. They, they're such beautiful birds, and they really, um, they, they perk us up at seeing these little guys. And it's really neat that you get to see them going through this process, the having the babies and raising the babies. It's just a, such a cool thing. And, you know, the, the Cardinals spend not quite two weeks, maybe 11 to 13 days incubating. But that nestling period is anywhere from 7 to 13 days. So it varies greatly. So uh, could it be okay then? I, I sure hope it's okay. I do too. Yeah. You didn't name it, did you? 
No, I didn't. I, I just, I just walk by there and I look at them every time I go near there to turn on the water spigot to fill my bucket, the, the mama bird will zoom out because it's right next to it. But I've just enjoyed watching them and, and them yelling at me as I'm working around there. The, the daddy one will be, you know, making all those noises. And the other thing that I saw, I just had a whole bunch of firsts this weekend, Al, including I saw my first indigo bunting. I saw my first ever in person, not dead, um, Baltimore Oriole. I got my first wood tick on my leg and um, I, I rescued my first snake So and touched it. So I have just had a weekend full of firsts outside. You're going to need a nap. There's no doubt. My <laughs> gosh, that's a... <laughs> That's a feel. That's a whole week right there. In uh, yeah, a couple of weeks probably. Uh, wood ticks. Yeah, I. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I've told this story often, but we used to go up uh, north birding with a group of us. Uh, it was affiliated with a festival, birding festival, and then we go birding, and we always had a bet where everybody'd throw in a couple of bucks, and then whoever had the most wood ticks would win. <laughs> And yeah, it yeah. was uh, the same guy won every single year. And we'd watch him to make sure he wasn't walking through the grassy areas looking for ticks. And he wasn't. He was just, uh, oh, he was a tick magnet. And he would win every year. And uh, yet, hope springs eternal. We'd throw a couple bucks in the next year. It was one of those things where you'd say, I hope I don't win. The worst thing, well, the worst thing about ticks, well, you all know what the worst things are, but one of the things is when you have a tick on you, even when you get rid of the tick, you can still feel like it's on you, like it's crawling oh. around. And that's what should just, I be aware of? Is there a way I can, I just, I, it wasn't very well attached because I just got done and I went in the shower and I saw this, this brown dot, you know, I don't have my glasses on in the shower. So all I could tell was there's something, a spot. And I, sure enough, it was not a deer tick because it was a bigger one, one of those regulars. But he didn't seem like he was on very, attached very well. So I'm thinking maybe if they don't get on there too long, maybe you don't have as much of a uh, after effect, so to speak. Yeah, I think yeah, it, we used to have wood tick races or dog tick races oh, when I was geez. a kid. And, yeah, you know, it was, we'd have how a, do you have a, a good, do you good racer. Race? You'd try to figure out a way to kick keep that tick alive so you could win more races with it. And it was, it was real hard. The The whole tick racing scene is just, a, it's a nightmare. I, I yeah. you know, moms, dad, keep your kids away from wood tick racing. That's all I can say about that. We uh, <clears throat> heard from, uh, I heard from a number of listeners on, on your behalf as well. And we've talked about this a couple of times, I know, Karen, but, uh, the ones I heard from are pretty much saying this. Why am I seeing so many birds this year? And it might be because you're taking the time to look at them. And that might be because you have the time to look at them. Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps you're home and you're doing a better job of keeping bird feeders fed and bird baths watered. I, I know I walked in the light rain the other day and the lack of insects was driving birds to the suet feeder. And I listened to the sounds, the corvids, crows, and jays of COVID-19 cawed and jeered. And I enjoyed the remar remarkable mimicry found in the songs of brown thrasher and gray catbird. In this new normal, the stunning quietude gives birds bigger voices. Uh, we can hear them more. 
And when tethered to home, we need the company and the miracle of birds. And I'm just glad, uh, folks, you're taking the time to look out and see them. Uh, they are majestically beautiful. A listener asked, said, this might be a dumb question. Uh, you know, here's where I'm supposed to say there is no such thing as a dumb question. But I remember in school asking dumb questions. So I think I've covered all the dumb questions. So anything anybody else might ask is definitely not a dumb question. Would a turkey vulture eat plant matter if it were hit by a car? I'm thinking of a hay bale falling off a rack and a Buick coming along and hitting it and then the turkey vulture coming and eating it. Uh, if it were a pumpkin, I've watched turkey vultures eat a lot of pumpkins. Really? And I have been told that they will eat grapes from, uh, I've talked to people that have vineyards and things. They said they will eat grapes. They'll eat juniper berries and other types of vegetation. So they are not strictly carrion eaters. Why don't, uh, the same listener asked, why don't more songbirds reuse their old nests? And that's, uh, that's a great question. It's because good used cars are much easier to find than good used nests. When you think of most songbird nests, uh, they're not made they're made perfectly but they're not made to last they're not made to persist they just don't last very long they try to get them through maybe one clutch so they're not going to come back and say boy there's a there's a little stick and a feather there we could make a nest out of that that said sometimes robins will come and build a nest on an old I'll call it the foundation of a nest. Morning doves will sometimes nest in an old robin nest, but they just might throw a couple sticks on there. They're not much for building a nest. Uh, a lot of our big birds we know, our bald eagles and things, will reuse nests, but those are substantial nests. Snowy owls are, I'm sorry, great horned owls. I got snowy owl on my mind today. Uh, great horned owls will steal a nest from a heron, an eagle, a red-tailed hawk. Red-tailed hawks will reuse nests. So some of the bigger birds, bigger nests, more often reused than the, the small songbird nest. And I know your question was about songbirds, and which uh, eagles, if anybody's ever heard an eagle call, uh, they're definitely not songbirds. I'm sure they think it's a beautiful, beautiful song, but yeah, you know, they probably know that uh, they're saying, boy, how can I be so stately looking and just screech like this? It's kind of a sad thing. Uh, what's a group of pelicans called? I hear pod or squadron, although some I have read things that people have sent me where they referred to them as scoop, pouch, and brief uh, as collective nouns. Uh, I Perhaps those are in jest. Uh, the American white pelican is much larger than the brown pelican, folks, if you've gone down south and seen them. Probably the average wingspan of American white pelican is 9 feet, and average weight is maybe 16 pounds or so. And I've read numerous accounts where white pelicans, when they're flying probably in a group up high, have been mistaken for UFOs. And I would think that'd be a pretty cool thing if you're a bird to have been mistaken for a UFO. It just wouldn't get much cooler than that. 
It's going to be another lovely day, as I said. I think it's I think it's five hundred, perhaps five hundred and one of those days in a row, and we <laughs> oh, it just did why you would forget about anywhere else? Al, did you forget about January and February? <laughs> Completely, I, I have. I forget about it each year. That's why like each year winter comes, and we're all surprised. We go, huh. <laughs> I don't remember it being this cold before. And uh, yeah, it's we are uh, what we are, I guess. And I, I hope everybody has a, a, just a beautiful day. I was thinking about those thrilling days of yesteryear when I was in, uh, it was industrial arts, although we called it shop class. Mm -hmm. It was just shop class. It was next to the home ec. We'd be in shop class and we sneak over and steal some of the cookies that the girls were making in uh, in home ec. And Mrs. McDonough would come and scream at us. She was the home ec teacher and tell us to get the heck out of there, pretty much. Maybe not in those words. But I was in shop class and I was playing chess with my shop teacher. He loved to play chess and I was really bad at making uh, tables and things. So I would play chess with him. And... I watched him as he moved a piece to beat me again, and I noticed he was missing something, and I had decided to ask him how he'd lost a joint's worth of finger. It seemed like something I needed to know. And just as I was going to ask him, he sent a classmate of mine to the lumberyard to get a board stretcher. My classmate went, and we all laughed, and it was funny only because he hadn't sent me because I would have gone. Remember, folks, Heartland is well worth driving past. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Uh, thank you, Karen, as always, for your wonderful company. And I hope you have just a big a week this week as you had last week. I hope you top it. I do, too. You know, the more time I spend out, the, the, the more I realize that, you know, living near the water and, and using uh, organic um, methods to, you know, prevent weeds and things like that is really uh, improving the e eco or the ecosystem out there. And that's why I think I've been so fortunate because, you know, I'm in town and people all around are using the lawn services with the chemicals, but out there it's a little different. And I'm actually continuing to um, add pollinator beds. And, and so I think that's why I've seen so many toads and snakes and and birds and all those things. I think a lot you can, I think people can just do simple things and, and you can make your own little natural world and, and make it good. Yeah, and it's right out our window. We can look out <laughs> and see things. So it's wonderful. And I hope the Cardinals continue to yell at you. Will they have another any more eggs, do you think, or are they done for the year, do you? No, it's very possible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, uh, I, I'm enjoying their company, even though they're they're yelling at me every day. <laughs> And they'll have one or two broods, so it's just depending on the pair. Will they use that nest again? I notice it's kind of flattening out, so it's not as nice as it was when it started. Um, they might, and okay. uh, they might build a, a second nest, too. Uh, okay. They typically... I used to always say cardinals do not use their nest more than once. And then uh, I've heard from a couple of folks that have seen that happen. So it's one of those where you say never. And as soon as you say never, you say, oh, I should have never said that. Uh, okay, but typically well, they would build their nest. I will report back and what, what I find out. I hope they do because it's really nice and handy. And I hope my indigo bunting returns as well. Do you think they're nesting around there as well? 
I do, and they sing a beautiful song, Fire, Fire, Where, Where, Here, Here, See It, See It, over and over and over again. The female is a beautiful little brown bird and just lovely, but uh, our eye's attention is drawn to that male. He is just so stunning. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Al. It's always nice to chat with you, and we hope you have a good week as well, and, and uh, enjoy being outside. Excelsior. Bye. Bye. Bye, Al.